The Best Movies, presented by Richard Roper and Ro Khan. This is episode two, Countdown to Gold. We're looking at the best supporting actor category for the Oscars in 2020. Ro, I think here's the best way I can tell you how loaded this category is. Let me give you the names of some actors and performances that didn't make the cut. We're talking about Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse, Jamie Foxx for Just Mercy, Alan Alda for Marriage Story, Shia LaBeouf, Honey Boy, Timothy Chalamet for Little Women. These are actors who didn't make the cut in other years, those performances probably would have got nominated. This is arguably the most star-studded list of nominees in any acting category this century. Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes. Al Pacino, The Irishman. Joe Pesci, The Irishman. Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Look at Al Pacino. Whoa, right there. I love this for this guy right here. Here's the thing about this, Ro. You look at that list. A lot of times these are lead actors, but again, we, we talk so often about how great actors will take great roles regardless of the size. The slacker in this group is Brad Pitt. He's the only one of this group that hasn't won at least one acting Oscar. But he's, of course, one of our most decorated and I think one of the best actors of his generation the other four are pure legends. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. So to see this list of nominees, I hope all five of them are there. Because you, can you imagine the red carpet photo of those five nominees? It kind of reminds me of the dream team, the basketball team, where Carl Malone was fighting for playing time because you had you know, some of the greatest players of all time. That's what we have in this category. You've got Anthony Hopkins, who's in his 80s. And these mm -hmm. other actors who range down through their 70s, 60s, 50s, mm -hmm. the cream of the crop of Hollywood of the last half century. It's a great point. In fact, now that I think about it, Anthony Hopkins, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino are, are like, they like the fact that it's on the West Coast and starts pretty early out there. You know, <laughs> be getting dinner at the Governor's Ball at 9 o'clock LA time. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which has been nominated here for Best Picture, mm -hmm. is in our list of best movies of the decade. And Brad Pitt's performance, we talked about it in the podcast, stole the show. He is a scene stealer. And, Ro, this is a classic example where if you look at Leonardo DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Brad Pitt, who play best friends, one's an actor, the other's his stuntman, if someone sat there with a stopwatch, they probably have about the same amount of screen time. It's really, people, a little inside stuff for you here. There are no hard set rules about what qualifies for best actor or best supporting actor or actress and supporting actress. It's up to the studio and sometimes the individuals, and they have conversations about that. In this case, you don't want Brad and Leo comp you know, competing with each other, so they decided that Brad's performance is supporting. But when you look at the film, he's clearly the most sympathetic character, and we see most of the movie through his eyes. It's a lead performance in a supporting role. Look, I never had much of a career to speak of, so I can't say I really know how you feel. What are you talking about? You're, you're, you're a stunt double. Come on, man. Shit. Rick, I'm your driver, man. I'm, I'm your gopher. I'm not complaining, man. I like driving you around. I like doing shit around the house, house sitting in the Hollywood Hills when you're gone. But I haven't been a full-time stuntman for a while now, and from where I'm standing, going to Rome to star in movies does not sound like the fate worse than death that you seem to think it is. Brad Pitt is great at playing this slacker, mm -hmm. stoner type, obviously. Came to great prominence in True Romance. Almost the same cadence from that movie to this movie. But his... <laughs> the same wardrobe, I think, too. He might have had the champion Sparkplug t-shirt. Definitely the Hawaiian shirt. That could be Floyd from True Romance <laughs> in a different life. Because, yeah, if, if people haven't seen True Romance, one of the great films of the 90s, screenplay by a young Quentin Tarantino. But Brad Pitt plays the stoner roommate who famously says... Hey, get some, some beer and some 
There's some cleaning products. But now Brad Pitt's screen presence, mm. 30 years on, is so magnetic. I think if each of us were asked our favorite scene of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it might be the extended segment at the ranch, the cult ranch where Manson is holed up, where Brad Pitt's character shows up with Margaret Qualley playing a member of the cult. He's very commanding in that sequence because he's increasingly aware that these people are nutso and that they might be dangerous, but he acts as if he's in a Western and commands the main street there like he's Gary Cooper at high noon. I used to shoot Westerns here at the ranch. When was the last time you saw George? Oh, I'd say about eight years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize the two of you were so close. Well, when he wakes up, I'll let him know you came by. I'd really like to say a quick hello now while I'm here. Came a long ways. Don't know when I'll get back this way again. Oh, I understand, but I'm afraid that's impossible. Impossible? Why is that impossible? Because me and George like to watch TV on Sunday night, FBI and Bonanza, but George finds it hard to keep awake that late, so I make him take a nap around now so I don't get chipped out of my George TV time. Well, look, Red, I'm coming in there. With my own two eyes, I'm gonna get a good look at George. And this ain't stopping me. Let's talk about The Irishman now, because you got two guys up for Best Supporting Actor, Joe Pesci and Al Pacino, and often in situations like this, they cancel each other out. And in both cases, the previous Oscar winners, Al Pacino won for Scent of a Woman, even though he had... 15 superior movies, but that's a career Oscar thing. We can talk about another day. Joe Pesci's supporting acting performance in Goodfellas. Ro, if we did a bracket of all the Oscar-winning performances through the decades, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas would be in the final four, for sure, of supporting actor performances. People always remember that. They quote him. He was equally good in films such as you know Casino. I thought he might have been even better. But playing a different variation on a gangster in The Irishman might be his best performance yet. I know how you feel, Frank. Trust me, I know how you feel. I told you before, we tried everything to help him. You know that. You tried. He brought this on himself. And it's landing on us. The only reason they agreed to this was out of respect to me. But you and Rini will be okay. Because you're with me. The best part of Joe Pesci's performance here is the physical. He ages over time, like mm-hmm. everybody does in this movie, mm-hmm. and he changes his movement and his yeah. physicality all the way through. It's a piece of acting genius. I think this is the guy who should win this Oscar. Right. I just think there are too many other people in this category and too many other people in this category in the same film. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that, and that is a great observation, Road. There's a commanding presence that Pesci has in The Irishman, and unlike... The characters he played in Goodfellas in Casino where he might stab you with a pencil or kick Billy Bats to death, uh, you know, lose his temper like that. This guy is cool and calm and collected when ordering murders and overseeing a crime syndicate, which makes him even more frightening. You had a nice shop here. People like to come to the store, but your kid is a real spatchard, you understand? He's a pain in the ass. He's a wild kid. You got to learn to control him. And if you don't, nobody's going to want to shop here anymore. If it's not good for you, it's not good for me. You understand what I'm saying? 
don't want to take anything away from Al Pacino yeah. in this film because he is also, at this point in his career, mm-hmm. giving one of his best performances. Yeah, and Al Pacino does a very different interpretation of Jimmy Hoffa than Jack Nicholson, who really tried to physically resemble him and, and was a great performance, but he went for the whole Hoffa as a bully thing. Pacino does a very different, and I think more nuanced performance role. And, you know, Al Pacino's one who can always go over the top as well. <laughs> yes, Jimmy Hoffa is powerful, but he also shows this character's vulnerability, his insecurities, his deep-seated need to be loved. And he's even a kind of uncle figure to the Irishman, to Robert De Niro's children. So you see that, you know, he's, he's a lot more likable than the Joe Pesci character in some ways. They're like family to me, Frank, you know. You, Irene, the girls, the lovely Peggy. But that's not why I'm doing this. I'm not giving you anything you didn't earn. You didn't deserve. What do you think? I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what to say, Jimmy. I mean, I mean I'm... I just I'm, say you do it. That's all you got to say. Because I can guarantee you're going to win. <laughs> My favorite performance of all of these, however, is Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes. You know, when I was a young man hundreds of years ago, I always knew what he wanted of me, what God wanted, what purpose he had for me. But now, I don't know. Perhaps I need to listen more intently. What do you think, Cardinal Bergoglio? I think perhaps I need to... A spiritual hearing aid. This is another example where we talk about which one is the lead performance and which one is the supporting performance. Jonathan Price is nominated for Best Actor. He's one of the two popes, and Anthony Hopkins is the other pope. What they used to call this role was right, a two-hander, uh, basically a movie with two main characters, two giant geniuses of acting. The Jonathan Price character did have a more complex backstory. They spend more time on the Jonathan mm-hmm. Price character, but Anthony Hopkins has more lines. Yeah, well, this goes back to what we were talking about where there are no hard set rules. The most famous example I can give of this, row is when Anthony Hopkins, we talk about all-time great performances, and you talk about Hannibal Lecter, The Silence of the Lambs, which he won the Academy Award for Best Lead Actor, got one of the biggest ovations in Academy history. Everybody said he deserved to win. He's on screen for less than 20% of that film. But in about 18 minutes, what he did on screen there was so powerful. It was a lead performance. Here, he's in a lead performance in a supporting category. I didn't love this film as much as you did. Not trying to bury these guys who were in their 70s and 80s, but Mm. this is Anthony Hopkins' performance of a lifetime. He's playing a pope. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to play a bigger character. And he's playing him with such depth and nuance. And the movie is still entertaining. I believe it could work as a two-character play on a bare stage, especially if you had actors of this caliber. Anthony Hopkins is a beloved performer. He won for Silence of the Lambs. I don't know if Anthony Hopkins cares that much if he wins again. I hope all five nominees actually aren't busy golfing or get me early bird special and they actually (laughs) come to the ceremony. And then finally in this category, no slacker, Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. A lot of people thought this was a movie about Mr. Rogers. It's really a movie about the guy who wrote an article about Mr. Rogers. That's right, Ro. This is based on the true story of the Esquire writer who was assigned to write a puff piece profile of Mr. Rogers. It was supposed to be 400 words and ended up being a 10,000-word article in Esquire because it was more about the writer's journey. The story's told from the writer's point of view. Some people had a problem with that. 
I think it made the movie more interesting. I think a full-length biopic about Mr. Rogers, and there was a great documentary about him. The truth is, there wasn't this deep, dark side. Yes, he was more complicated than the children's television host, but it's not like he was actually a sniper in Vietnam, which was an urban legend about him, or he had six marriages or you know anything like that, or he had some sort of weird relationship with the puppets. No, Mr. Rogers was not a character to him. So I think the fact that it's a supporting performance, there's kind of a theme that's running through these nominations row where... People are saying, wait a minute, are these lead performances or supporting performances? In this case, it truly is supporting work by Tom Hanks. This uh, piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? I don't think of myself as a hero. No, not at all. What about Mr. Rogers? Is he a hero? I, I don't understand the question. Well, there's you, Fred, and then there's the character you play, Mr. Rogers. You said it was a play at the plate. Is that, is that what, is that what happened to you? I, I'm, I'm here to interview you, Mr. Rogers. Well, that is what we're doing, isn't it? Imagine being Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, or Brad Pitt, and yeah. realizing that you're going up against Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> Al Pacino, right. Joe Pesci, and Brad Pitt. There's always that moment when somebody wins the Academy Award and they go to the other four nominees. I am humbled and can't even believe I was nominated in the same category as you. And you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, really? You're going to give him the trophy five weeks out of the year? I don't think so. Tom Hanks hasn't actually won an Oscar since the mid-'90s. He went back-to-back for Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. So you could say, well, he's overdue. I think in this case, you know, the, the voting will be very interesting. You could you could certainly make the case for any of these performers. But usually in the supporting category, you have one or two ingenues or up-and-coming stars. Right. And, you know, Best Supporting Actress we talked about, for example, Florence Pugh, who's not a household name yet but probably will be at some point. And famously, supporting performers that weren't that well-known or were up-and-coming have won. Mira Sorvino and Marissa Tomei in the actress category. Here, they're not, you know, when that stupid narrator, after, when someone wins, they always say, this is the seventh nomination and first win for the editor, blah, blah, blah. In this case, it'd be like, what are they going to say? This is the 117th film for Al Pacino. <laughs> we all know who these people are. <laughs> As we talked about it in the previous episode, Best Supporting Actress, mm. you do have some young up-and-comers there. Here, Timothy Chalamet or some of the other people who yeah. might have been nominated for this year's work didn't have a chance. When you look at the five nominees here, Ro, Brad Pitt, who's in his mid-50s, is the kid <laughs> of the bunch. I don't know if there's ever been a collection of five nominees with an older median age. I also don't know if there's been a more accomplished collection of nominees. So among them, who's the odds-on favorite going into the Oscars? This one, obviously, you can make a case for any of the performances. And you got to remember, the Academy still skews a little bit older and loves the Brits. So Sir Anthony Hopkins could easily win. Brad Pitt is such a popular figure in Hollywood, Row. He's a guy who, you know, as a producer, champions some great projects. And everybody who's ever worked with him says he treats the person bringing you coffee and the interns and the production assistants exactly the same as the co-star and the director. And it's not one of those BS nice guy things. He's a guy from Missouri who has never forgotten his roots. He also had a really revelatory moment in the press conference after the Golden Globes in which he talked about getting sober and how Bradley Cooper helped him get sober. Actors and actresses who get sober all of a sudden have amazing careers on the other side. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Brad Pitt's moment is here. That's a great point. It's kind of similar to what Robert Downey Jr. went through and came out, you know, a better person on the other side after going through a lot. And 
on this podcast row, we we concentrate on the artistry and the the writing and the directing and the performances. But somebody like Brad Pitt is also one of the most famous and popular tabloid figures of our generation, whether we wanted to or not. When people start judging various people like Angelina Jolie or whatever, you don't know what happened behind closed doors in those relationships. Well, we think we do. Coming up on the next episodes, best actor, best actress, best film, and Richard Roper will get you ready for your Oscar pool with his cheat sheet.